Welcome. You're listening to Latin Waves with your host, Sylvia and Stuart Richardson. Latin Waves is more than just hot rhythms. This is a show about community, about creating a culture that is inclusive and based on fairness. Because everyone deserves dignity, respect, and has something to contribute. A new world is possible, and it all starts with us. I'm delighted this morning to be joined by Ellen Brown. She's the author of Web of Debt, The Shocking Truth About Our Money System and How We Can Break It. She has written so many articles on the economic downturns and the crisis. Her latest article is about the GameStop short squeeze. So we're delighted to have you. Thank you again for being with us, Ellen. Always good to talk to you. Thanks, Sylvia. Now, most people... um, during COVID have been either feeling completely isolated and uh, depressed and many have taken to new hobbies, you know, hobbies and, and things that, to keep them entertained. So can you take us, um, I guess, uh, introduce to our audience who don't understand what GameStop is or how, the, you know, how this came about, this Game st- video game store called GameStop became the all the rave in the news. Um, tell the story of, of how, why this story is so um, important to our to our society and, and to people, you know, who in- who are interested in creating a world with more equity and justice for people. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a group of uh, a subgroup of Reddit, the social media Reddit, uh, called um, Wall Street Bets. And these were, they're largely young people and giving each other advice about the stock market, et cetera. And uh, the young people, well, or people in general, have had a whole year off now to study up on such such things. So it used to be that the little guy, <laughs> as some people call them, uh, couldn't compete against Wall Street or the Wall Street cartel. It's definitely a cartel. I mean, they act together. They act as, I saw that even Elizabeth Warren called it insiders versus outsiders. She said that at one point she was given the option of being an insider or an outsider. But if you're an insider, you don't criticize the other insiders. They all stick together and they all support what each other, others, the others do. Um, if you're an outsider, you can poke at them, but you're, you're an outsider. You don't get to play, play their game. It, this subreddit group had over 2 million people in it, largely young people who were just learning the ropes of investing. Of course, everybody's quite aggrieved about how these over 100,000 small companies have been put out of business due to the, uh, the shutdowns, the lockdowns. So millions of people are out of work and don't have incomes. And meanwhile, they're watching the stock market be propped up by the Federal Reserve and it just keeps uh, the big the big players are making money and the little guys are losing hand over fist. So obviously not fair. But this was a chance for them to actually make their mark. It, it's been called, some people are calling it Wall, uh, uh, Occupy, 2.0, or there was a group of, of yeah, um, young Republicans in uh, in New York. They were all, you know, young people, and they were they were uh, protesting. Be, well, uh, I'll get to that later. But anyway, they were calling it um, 
reoccupy Wall Street. So in the Occupy movement in 2010, you had all these young people that were camped out in the park out in front of the Wall Street big entities, but but they didn't really have an effect other than raising a lot of awareness about what was really going on and who was really at fault with the 2008 collapse, that it was really the banks themselves that were at fault, the ones that were getting bailed out. But So they raised awareness, but they didn't really occupy Wall Street. But, in, but now these young people have um, actually, they're actually playing the game and um, and winning at it. And the reason they're able to win is because they've consolidated their power. It used to be like if you wanted to buy one share of Tesla or whatever, I don't know what Tesla is at right now, but, you know, it's quite expensive and you had to buy a whole share. And so they didn't even have the money to buy whole shares. Um, And they didn't have the knowledge, of course, and they didn't have the time to do it. They're busy, busy at work all day and they come home tired and they've got to do the laundry or whatever. You know, just the ordinary upkeep of the family. You don't have time to to get together and compete. So that's what the last year has done. Uh, and and another point is that the, these young people are skilled at computers and gaming, and that's what they know. That's what they do. They know algorithms. They know numbers. So they can they can get into reading these charts and figuring out what's really going on. I just wanted to point out that, you know, the 2010 Occupy movement did not come as a surprise because capitalism's cyclical crisis is, you know, something that we've been told is just normal, it's part of the economy. But no one explains to you how the economy has functioned, uh, who gets the right to print money, how does, you know, Wall Street get revamped in a time of pandemic when businesses are going out of, you know, out of business, and how, you know, the, the federal government government is pumping them so they stay afloat. So I, I think of this as a populist uprising. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the significance, because in your article, you point out that there has been many other movements against this kind of, you know, 1% rule over the economic wealth of the country, um, you know, and, and how this not only signals to what uh, a beautiful writer you quoted, Mary Elizabeth, declared late in 1890, 1890, she said, the Wall Street owns the country. It is no longer a government for the pe- of the people, by the people and for the people, but a government of Wall Street by Wall Street and for Wall Street. The common people of this country are slaves and Monopoly is the master. Um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about why you quoted her and why this is so important for us to understand. Actually, our whole country has been the history of attempting to break free of not necessarily Wall Street, but the big bankers in general or the big financial interest or the big cartel. So originally we were enslaved by, by London bankers. By, or by England in general, we were supposed to be a, just like Canada and like all the other colonies. We were all supposed to be, you know, working f- for England. And so the American colonists figured out how to print their own money. They didn't have money. They didn't really have. They didn't have gold, and they they had some silver, but not really enough. 
so so they figured out to print it, print their own paper money, and then the King of England forbade them to do that. And according to some ex, some authorities, that's what actually triggered the American Revolution. It was a revolt against that. Suddenly, the American colonists were n- no longer having a medium of exchange. They were they they were suddenly in a depression. And so they revolted, and we had the American Revolution. And then um, during the Civil War, uh, Abraham Lincoln was going to have to borrow at 30% interest, more or less, from the London makers. And so he went back to doing what the American colonists had done, which was to print his own money, the greenbacks, the U.S. U.S. notes, as opposed to what we have now, our Federal Reserve notes. And of course, then Lincoln was shot, and um, and we went through another depression. And in the 1890s, we were in a, a quite serious depression, and there and there was the populist movement of the 1890s. And that's when my book you mentioned, Web of Debt, um, that I was using that whole <clears throat> populist movement as a theme. It was the theme of the Wizard of Oz. Uh, the first ever march on Washington was a group of populists or a group of out-of-work factory workers and farmers who marched, literally marched all the way from Ohio to Washington, D.C. to try to get the government to go back to doing what Lincoln did, which was to issue our, issue our own greenbacks or U.S. notes and to use that money to fund um, various infrastructure programs and social programs that were necessary, and of course they were defeated. But uh, that was that um, when Mary, Mary Elizabeth Lease, when she made that speech, that was part of that whole movement. Um, and then what? Of course, <laughs> the thing I do now all the time is public banking, and that was triggered by the Bank of North Dakota, which was set up in 1919 by another populist group, the Nonpartisan League of North Dakota. Of course, it was local. It was just there in the state, but it was still part of that movement, that populist attempt to break away from the bankers, the big out-of-state bankers that were foreclosing on the North Dakota farmers' farms. And they could see that it wasn't fair. They weren't taking their grains when the grains were good. And the granary and the banks and the railroad were all one cartel. So they set up their own granary and set up their own bank. And now it's just this stellar model of what you can do with a public bank because they're actually very profitable. And North Dakota came through came through the 2008 crisis. That's why I started writing about the Bank of North Dakota. They, they were the only state that didn't go into the red during during that crisis of course i guess there were other reasons as well but the bank of north dakota was a major a major factor in that and so now we have <laughs> we're still fighting the same cartel it's the there we had the federal reserve act of um passed in 1912 and the populist candidate in the 1890s was, was William Jennings Bryan and he was actually the opposition to the federal reserve act he thought it was it, it was so obscurely worded that it looked like the populists were getting what they wanted which was um government issued money but of course it's actually federal reserve issued money which is not just handed over to the government but is lent to the government and originally 
it was at interest that was paid to the Federal Reserve. I mean, later that was changed. So now the Fed rebates the interest to the federal government. But of course, the Fed does not hold most of the bonds. Most of the bonds are, or at least half the bonds are, are held by private institutions and private people. And they are, they do get the interest. I, I I love that you point that out, and thank you for taking us to such a thorough <laughs> history. Um, one of the things that really strikes me is that most average people, like you said, are too busy trying to meet their you know their daily needs, and they don't pay attention to how markets function and whether the you know the market's up or down. They just know uh, that their factory where they work has just been closed, and or that they're being called back to work. So to us, the the idea of the market is the place that you know self-regulate, right? As, or so we've been told. The market figures their out. But one thing that we've never known is that this poker game that they play behind doors is that they bet on things to either cause them to collapse and die out. And so someone will profit from that loss. You know, from the point of the market, if the U.S. declares war on another country, investing in weapons and, you know, ours, that would yield some heights, right? So it makes sense to kill, I guess, you know, uh, even death can be a gener- a form of generating uh, an increase in funds. So can you explain to us what exactly is the short squeeze? Um, GameStop was the, the company that uh, sparked all this fear, although they did do, there were some other smaller companies like AMC, which is the theaters. Um, theaters have been shut down because nobody goes to them during that shutdown, lockdowns, and um, the GameStop was a retail store in a mall, you know, where you actually went in and bought bought games, and these were gamers. These are young people that love GameStop. Stop. That was <laughs> one of their favorite stores, and it was teetering on bankruptcy, and so it was um, short selling is where a, an investor can borrow stock. When, when you go to invest in the stock market and you go through some broker. So um, in this case, it was called um, uh, Robin Hood, <laughs> which is sort of ironic because Robin Hood didn't come through so well in the end. But anyway, um, you go to the broker and you sign all this fine print and probably don't even notice, but the fine print does say, that the the uh, broker can lend your shares to somebody else, and then uh, so so the big investors like the big hedge funds will go and borrow a bunch of shares and sell immediately sell them, and the idea is if they sell enough of them that will drive the price of the stock down, and then they'll buy the buy the shares at the lower price and they'll make the difference between what they paid to borrow and what they're what they make on the you know what they what they have to pay to get the stock back to give it back to the to the whoever they borrowed it from so so that's the way short selling works and theoretically it's illegal to naked short sale which sell which means to sell stock you don't have but the brokers let them do it because they're the middlemen and I 
I don't, I'm not really sure why they let it, let them do it, but it's not heavily regulated. And in this case, they were 140% as many shares had, has been sold, had been sold as actually existed. So it was the most heavily short sold stock on the market at that time relative to how many shares there were available to buy. And so it was spotted. Now the question is who spotted it? <laughs> and I've seen some articles since that it's not clear, but that it wasn't a big hedge fund that started this whole fear. I mean, originally it was thought that it was one one member of the subreddit group who actually was a prof- is a professional trader and he works for a company and it was a violation of his license to to be doing this so he could be in trouble but then the question is whether the whole group can be in trouble because they're just doing you get these newsletters that hype stocks you know they say let's all buy this or they say we should buy this or this is a good buy buy this they're recommending that all their customers buy this well if you've got eight million (laughs) eight million people in your group and you recommend some stock then, of course, that stock's going to go up. So that's what they did. This, the subreddit group recommended buying game stock. And so they all piled in and bought game stock. And the, and the price went up from, it was like below $4, I think, a year ago. And it went to well over $400 in uh, January. So it really, really shot up. But apparently there were some big hedge funds, including BlackRock, our favorite our favorite hedge fund to not like. Either they saw what was happening and they jumped in as well, or they actually triggered the whole thing. It's not clear who started the whole thing. Some young people made out very well and they were all excited. Like I saw one person made $20,000 and that was enough to pay off his student loans and pay his rent. But other young people, the ones that buy late or that, you know, sell late or whatever, they got burned and they were complaining as well on the, on the um, social media. But overall, the feeling seemed to be that the whole point of it was not really to make money on this one bet. It was to save GameStop and to make a point, you know, stick it to the to the big hedge funds, which they actually did. At least some big hedge funds lost billions of dollars, but there were others that apparently also made a lot of money. It's interesting to me, and it's really hard to wrap my hand around around the idea that you could say borrow someone's car, sell it to someone for ten grand, and then go and buy it for three thousand and keep the other seven thousand to yourself. You know, it sounds to me like yeah, that's that's how it works. <laughs> that's you know? what it is. And the, the person that you borrowed it from doesn't even know that you borrowed it. Oh, so so the thing that the young people were upset about was that online trading group where where they were trading called um, Robin Hood had stopped the whole play. When, when the price went up to over $400, I think it was a week ago, Wednesday, then they stopped the whole game and you couldn't, you couldn't buy anymore, but you could settle your trade. So that meant you could sell and it meant that the uh, shorters could uh, cover. And so, 
so they managed to not lose quite as much money, I guess. Although even buying at that that point, price, they would they would lose quite a bit. And then the the stock dropped a lot because nobody was jumping in and buying, and people were selling. You know, it looked like market manipulation right there in favor of the hedge funds, and there were politicians on both sides of the aisle who were said they were going to look at it so i guess they're going to have hearings congressional hearings on it so it's interesting that it was an issue to both republicans and um democrats or or anyway um representatives on both sides it wasn't a left right issue it's a you could call it a class issue or an insider outsider issue it's brought the 99% together and to me what it proves <laughs> other people are saying what it what it shows was that is that the whole system is corrupt and rigged and broken and so forth but more interesting to me is the fact that it shows that if we all get together and if we have the knowledge in other words if we're able to communicate and act together we the 99% are more clearly clearly we outnumber the 1% it's just a matter of getting together and acting as a group but then the danger is that we're seeing all this censorship of many things right now and they they're voicing the idea that they will stop these these Reddit groups from exchanging information, although it doesn't, it's hard to see how they could do that legally because groups exchange information all the time. It's the virtue of the internet, but then the fear is that they will shut down our access to information to many things. Right now, we can't get access to information on things like <laughs> vaccines. I don't want to get, I don't want to tread on forbidden territory, but we can't talk about, you know, election fraud and and uh, vaccine, the, the injuries that are being suppressed. You know, you, you don't see in the mainstream, mainstream news all the deaths that have resulted in quite bad um, side effects that have resulted from these vaccines. They just tout the vaccines, which is rather like a pump and dump scheme. They're pumping the vaccines. And because the the drug, um, the pharmaceutical companies are their big advertisers, they can't say anything negative against their advertisers or they'll they'll lose money. So it's all about money and supporting the advertisers who are not necessarily on the side of the people. So in many ways, what you point out is the the elements of collaboration, you know, when people come together, we can use and revamp systems or even I would I would argue we need to recreate our own systems. Perhaps public banking is one of those things we really have to consider as a way to not only um, protect ourselves from the rapacity of capitalism and the way neoliberalism has affected us, uh, the way that, you know, pharmaceuticals are controlling our food supply, you know, the way the Monsanto and vaccines are seem to be working hand in hand these days, you know, we never ask why is it that our immunity is so compromised? Why is it that we're having so many uh, challenges to fighting a cold and, and we're being told that we have to have a flu shot every year and now 
that we have a pandemic. We're being told everybody must have this new vaccine that has not even been properly tested. I, I love that you tread in dangerous territory and things that no one else is talking about because that's exactly what it takes, right? It takes for us to refuse to be silenced, you know, and to be able to be willing to wander into the unknowns, right? To How does it work? How do we make it work for us, the people? So I, I wonder, as, as we come to the end of our interview, if you could talk a little bit about um, not just the significance of this event, because this has been called a revolution, you know, Occupy Wall Street 2.0, but um, in terms of our own um, people's revolution, in terms of our own ability to create systems that support us, be it financial systems, be it, you know, social systems, you know, health-focused systems, um, how do we occupy our own imagination and and see and find ways to co-create what we need and to collaborate with others. Mhm. Well, one one thing I was going to mention was that uh, the cartel or whatever you want to call it, you know, the big boys that uh, work together have as you point out, they've not just brought down stocks. They've actually brought down whole countries as they did for example with Greece right after the 2008 crash when they um basically manipulate you know short sold the uh the currency the cartel whoever they are <laughs> is quite big and powerful and the way that these young people have fought back and the way we can all fight back is by cooperating getting together the, it's kind of a known way to foment war is to get the people to fight each other. So they've created all these left, right, and racial and, you know, different divides that make us think that other people <laughs> are, are are the problem. Where, But the problem is somewhere else. I mean, what we need to do is to get together and research together first of all understand what's going on and if they if they censor us or they don't even tell us on the mainstream media turn off your tv turn on your computer find these alternative uh sources for information find out what's really going on and judge for yourself we don't need to be censored we need to we need to use our own brains and figure out what what's really happening and we need to organize, get together. Uh, I think leaders are good. I mean, <laughs> apparently it pro probably was some leader that planted planted this idea in the first place of the uh, in the subreddit group. But but we don't want to put all our faith in the ideas of a leader. We need to be, you know, it needs to be a teamwork that we all that we all work on together. You are so amazing. Thank you so much for your work on writing the book, Web of Debt. I think it's a primer for anyone who wants to understand how the economic system functions. And also to understand the need for us to have our own public banking. You know, banking. It's about time that we uh, 
surrender this colonial mindset <laughs> that we have to always have one per, a one percent elite guiding, you know, and distributing crumbs to the rest of the, you know, the ninety nine percent of us, right? So, mm-hmm. um, what inspires you? What keeps you motivated and uh, doing your part through these times of pandemic and uh, uncertainty? So this is what I do, you know, I, it's, but it's very interesting things that are going on and, um, you know, there's a lot to research and we, we are on a cusp. Sources I read say that World Economic Forum and the Great Reset, et cetera, they, they had to crush the economy. They had to crush our economy and economies globally in order to say this is an opera you know this is an opportunity to change the whole system and then they come in with their new system but but that's also true for changing the system for the benefit of the people so we too can cre- uh, treat this as an opportunity uh, an opportunity to understand what's going on to design a system that actually works for all the people and so that's what inspires me is that just the potential <laughs> that we have right now. I absolutely love you. Thank you so much for all that you do. And how can people access your work? Um, my website is ellenbrown.com and all my articles are there. We've come to the end of our show, Latin Waves. Latin Waves is an internationally syndicated weekly program made available through campus and community stations and available out to the world at www.latinwavesmedia.com. Visit Latin Waves Media to hear previous shows to access resources or support our efforts towards social change via community project engagement.